0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I love this saying, we're together again for the first time. Not really, Uh, we're just together again and we're going to have a very interesting conversation as uh, we bring you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We're going to be talking today about uh, something very interesting and we're going to talk about uh, the keys to... The Revealed Consciousness. It's called The Brain Sutras, and it's uh, written by A. Martin uh, Watke. And, uh, Martin, I want to thank you so much. Uh, do you prefer Martin or Marty? Uh, Marty, Richard. and th- right.
1: Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.
0: It's a very interesting concept here. And, of course, we're all looking at uh, people trying to get answers to uh, these aspects of consciousness and of of, um, you know, where do we come from and all those kinds of things. And and, and you're kind of dealing with a lot of the, this information. I know that, for example, there are those, believe it or not, including my wife, who would like to have their consciousness put into a robot so that they can live <laughs> forever. And and I'll be honest with you, I don't want to do that. Uh, I, I know that the consciousness, well, I shouldn't say I know, I believe that the consciousness is immortal and yep. lives forever. Uh, yep. The body of course is made up of atoms and of course everything is energy as I guess quantum physics tells us. I can't remember mm-hmm. anymore whether it's quantum physics or regular fi- Newtonian physics. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about this. First of all, how did you come up with the concept uh, for the Brain Sutras? Um, what uh, and, and uh, it sounds like a Sanskrit word, sutras. Uh, t- define for us what that is.
1: Sutras means thread, so something that um, ties things together.
0: Ah, uh, well, that we...
1: book is really the result of uh, forty years of my work. Um, it's kind of a full circle, back to where I originally started some forty years ago. Wow, and it's a you know it's a it's a it's an attempt just to explain. How the brain, even though we all think of the brain as this physical organ, yeah, but how yeah. that relates to uh, consciousness and specifically our spirituality and what, what, what that means. And then possible ways uh, in regard to how the brain works, possible ways to speed up that awakening process.
0: You know, um, you and your wife, and this is fascinating because uh, a lot of couples... Uh, sometimes they're both going down the same path. In this case, it sounds like you and your wife were uh, at least traveling in the same direction uh, with your own personal, uh, your own personal expertise. First of all, tell us about uh, your wife, Stella. Actually, it's uh, Dr. Stella J. Uh, Watke uh, and her expertise that was lent to this work. And of course, the work that you've been doing uh, for 40 years.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, so, uh, Stella and I didn't meet till uh, several years ago, but she was a, a long-time meditator and, in fact, was a meditator uh, in the same teaching tradition that I was in. And she was living over there in Germany. Mm-hmm. She was a, a researcher, a neuroscientist, a cognitive psychology, and a lot of her research was in EEG or electroencephalography, looking at the brain. Mm-hmm. So, her she had a... a wonderful background and then became interested in neurofeedback and um tracked me down her um supervisor professor recommended that she check out neurofeedback since uh it was a, a something she could use in the university so she traveled here to um california to meet me and spend some time and we um you know obviously we we combined our skills and now we have a uh a nice clinic here in Santa Barbara. So,
0: so you are actually local here. We could have had you in studio, which would have been very nice as well. But uh, <laughs> I appreciate the fact that first of all you are local, which uh, leads me uh, to how people might be able to utilize uh, this neurotherapeutic method uh, to to help them to. Oh my goodness! To break free from some of the stuff—I was, matter of fact—I I had an interview just earlier today, uh, as of our conversation—in in this very regard—that there are people who are still stuck in victimhood. And I—I'll be honest with you: uh, when when I was uh, in my twenties, back in the uh, early eighties, I went through a program called LifeSpring. Mm. and during that period of time, we were as a society. In that space of the reason you are the way you are is because of, like, your parents, you know. So in a matter of speaking, it's your parents' fault that, you know, they made mistakes, they did this, they did that, they did the other. As we moved through the 80s, we started to shift from that victimhood to more uh, of a codependent philosophy, that we Mm -hmm. needed to try to break free from. Mm -hmm. And the further I went along in these personal growth programs, there was one in Arizona, in Phoenix, where I'm uh, born and raised, uh, called Omega Vector and Delta Vector. Uh, It was uh, founded by a gentleman by the name of George Adair. Not the Mm -hmm. famous one. This was a printer. (laughs) He had a company called Papago Printing. And he focused on the zero point, uh, uh, Chardin's uh, work, Teilhard de Chardin. And um, we began to shift into the the, the concept of interdependence. I don't know what went wrong in 2015, but somehow we went all the way back to the early 80s and victimhood. It's their (laughs) fault that we are the way that we are. And it was at that point that I said, I want nothing to do with politics because that's where it was rearing its ugly head. And it's like, wait a minute. We are where we are because we did this to us. okay? but we can undo it. That's what you're talking about now in the brain sutras is that we can change our 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 uh, our paths and, and so forth talk to us about what neurotherapeut- the neurotherapeutic method is
1: uh, well it's it's based on um, you know a lot of research that the brain holds patterns and just as you said uh, there's a, a whole network in the brain called the default mode network the DMN for short and the default mode network um, is our automatic, uh response to the world around us and the default mode network is created you know not not to blame not to be big but created by the experiences that we had and, and ancestral and generational experiences so the default mode network pretty much defines uh us our likes our dislikes our fears uh things that we're attracted to and so on so neurotherapy um, what we do is we measure the person's EEG, the quant- it's called quantitative electroencephalography, EEG, mm-hmm. and we look at the brain and we see if there are networks that are overactive, mm-hmm. underactive, um, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, you can see things like trauma, you can see things like head injury, anxiety, depression, addiction, you can see all of those networks in the brain. And then with neurotherapy or neurofeedback more specifically, we aim at those areas or those parts of the brain, and the goal is to optimize the function there. Um, I don't like to use the word normalize, but that's also another way to say it. So neurofeedback is actually a training process. We identify the problem areas of the brain and the symptoms that go along with it, and, and we train the brain to uh, move away from those patterns.
0: Interesting. How and and maybe it's pretty self-explanatory, but for some of us, not so much. So, what's the difference between this and biofeedback? Because you have a neurofeedback as well.
1: Yeah, Yeah, uh, a neurofeedback is is in the category of biofeedback. It's just an advanced form. Mm -hmm. I used to use biofeedback when I worked in the hospital. But I found that neurofeedback was more robust and we could get greater and greater uh, uh, effects um, because the technology is so advanced now.
0: This is fascinating stuff. And, And it's dealing with a part of the human body that we know a lot about, but then again, we know very little about, especially when I remember the phrases as a kid growing up in school, They say we only use about 10% of our brain. And I've often wondered, how in the world have you been able to measure that? What? Okay, so if it's 10%, what is the other 90% of the brain that we're not using? You know, that to me is the next logical question. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because they've been able to map the brain. Okay, this part, uh, this is for the vision, and this is for the hearing, and this is exactly. for the motor skills, and this is for the involuntary functions. You know, the heart and the blood flowing, and and those kinds of things, things that we don't think about. It's like, okay, heartbeat. No, 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 keep beating. Don't stop. Keep beating. You <laughs> got to consciously. No, you don't have to. That's the amazing thing to me is this this machine. This biological functioning device, if you will, is incredible in its design. But am I understanding correctly that they could keep the body alive without the brain, but they couldn't keep the brain going without the heart? Without blood flow, everything dies. Is that right? Right. Okay.
1: Yes, that's, that's true.
0: So is helping to increase uh, uh maybe increase blood flow or in my case for example I have I've been diagnosed with high blood pressure I'm taking mm-hmm. my meds keeping it down mm-hmm. trying to refocus my attention trying to find things that make me happy mm. that 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 you know I love cartoons and and I first of all I grew up watching Warner brothers okay <laughs> but today I love the adult cartoons, Family Guy, American Dad, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, King of the Hill, and so on. And I go into them knowing they are stupid, ignoramuses, and so forth. I know that, but it makes me laugh. And then on YouTube I'm watching comedians like Jim Gaffigan or the yeah. the, the, the tr- ventriloquist uh, uh, Jeff Dunham. Oh, my God, I I just I I can't get enough. And then I'll click into uh, some of the other things like from Saturday Night Live and this and that and the other. Before I go to sleep, especially if my wife has been watching one of these police dramas, uh, uh, any one of the three or four FBI programs that just brings you down. Yeah. We're talking right now with the author of The Brain Sutra. And again, it is keys to the uh, revealed that's right the revealed consciousness a Martin Watke is my guest and guess what folks you are listening to tell me your story I'm Richard Dugan your host and it is really a pleasure to have uh, have uh, uh, our guest with us here on the program Martin, Marty Wat, uh, Watkie. How did all of this start for you? What is it or was it that interested you in the brain in particular? Because that's really sort of the, the focal point of all of this is the brain. Yes.
1: Um, well, uh, during my adolescence, I was, I was uh, born and raised in New York. I, uh, this is back in the 70s. Um, I got into uh, drugs and alcohol at an early age, 13 or 14 years old. And uh, by the time I was 16, I was using hardcore drugs, specifically heroin and um, cocaine, and uh, developed a serious addiction. And um, obviously, my family uh, knew and found out something was wrong. So uh, I ended up uh, going into different treatment centers, uh, seven altogether, and uh, hospitals, and went that whole route. And frankly, um, none of them really did anything for me except taught me a few more uh, (laughs) uh, negative things about uh, my condition and what I was going through. And and finally, um, I I stopped going into treatment, kept using drugs, and I figured, you know, that my life would be over fairly soon. It was in uh, October of 1978. I was 21 years old and um i was not in a 12 step program but i had an experience that 12 step programs talk about i had a spiritual awakening experience uh very short probably lasted maybe 90 seconds but that you know and, and this is is not unique by any means every time i talk about this i usually get somebody uh you know saying well i've had similar experiences and so on so um that that changed everything changed my whole life changed things on the inside things on the outside so i um i was able to pull my life together it was in, i'd overdosed several times i was in bad physical mental emotional and spiritual shape but this this experience transformed me and i got on the right path went back to college ended up in georgia attending chiropractic university uh, outside of atlanta and i did that for a couple of years but My inclination was more towards the mind and the brain. I started practicing clinical hypnosis, which was okay, but I ended up um, questioning, well, what, what was that spiritual awakening? What was that experience? Where did that happen? Did that happen out here somewhere, or did it happen in here or here? And I started looking at research, and I realized that meditation really is uh, you know even back then there was a lot of research that showed meditation changes the brain changes the entire physiology in fact so i started to look at that and um i went to live at a meditation retreat center up in the north georgia mountains and i spent two years uh, sort of in a semi-monastic environment a little bit like a monk meditating several hours a day and one day i went uh, into town and there was a psychiatric hospital there, a very plush, 35-bed psychiatric treatment center. So I volunteered to teach meditation there. And the um, the medical director was so impressed with the changes that were happening with the patients who I was teaching meditation to. He asked me if I would come on staff and design a program. So I did, but I realized I had to bring more scientific credibility or validity to the meditation process. And that's when I came across neurofeedback or neurotherapy—that that that you could actually train the brain to change and to go through the changes it needed to go through to get to to advanced states of meditation. So I started to apply it there in the hospital. Uh, I had 35 patients every day, saw them twice a day And even though my this is why i started out by saying this is sort of a full circle my primary goal then was to teach them to meditate and you know uh, achieve a spiritual state but what happened was um chronic pain started to alleviate cravings alleviate anxiety went away depression uh, eating disorders responded traumatic brain injury and autism so all those were um sort of side effects of the process that we were doing and then i got published and uh this was back in the uh mid 80s and then um people around the world started to pay attention to this new science and since then it's gone exponential there's quite a few practitioners around the world a lot of research some major sports teams use it the nfl uses it for concussion the military is using it at two bases in florida for post-traumatic stress disorder and head injury, so this this you know if you Google this, you'll see this is this field is exploding um, now, and you know it's uh, it's fascinating to watch what happens. But I I predict in a short period of time we're going to see this uh, everywhere, treatment centers, um, hospitals, schools, and so on.
0: I can tell you that it's a subject we've talked about many, many times on this program, meditation in particular, and, and um, the conversations that we've had uh, about it. One of the aspects of meditation, and I'd love for you to give us your input, and this has to do a little bit with the structure, if you will. <clears throat> Back in the 80s, when I started learning about meditation, uh, it was, you've got to quiet the mind. You've got to tell the mind to shut up. You've got to ignore all of the the mental minutiae, or as as was eventually coined, you've got to shut down the monkey mind, if you will, mm-hmm. all right, mm-hmm. so that you can meditate, so you can <coughs> focus, you know, and as time went on, you know, there were other other ways of doing this and, you know, and what have you, and then I, I was interviewing someone who basically uh, we were talking about this, and I said, well... Wouldn't it be better to tell the mind, look, I'm glad you're here. I need you. You are very important to my very existence and my very survival and thrival for that matter. Uh, But I need to go off on my own by myself into this quiet, still, peaceful place. And I need to listen to that voice. And when I'm done, I'll come back. And you and I, Mm -hmm. we are going to have some fun with the information that I will have come, come up with. So I shared this with this guest and they said, well, instead of doing that, think about it, th- your mind as a child. What if with one condition you invited the mind in with you, but the only condition was shh, 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 shh you have to be quiet. Mm-hmm. Okay. I need you. You can come with me and you can see everything that's going on, but you need to be quiet. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow. Wow that would be better. I mean, you're not, my method, you're not alienating the mind. You're saying, look, I'll be back. Don't worry. I'm coming back. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. What about the meditative process and the challenges in regard to the mind?
1: Um, well, you know, as it's, it's individual, each person is unique. But, um, you know, if you look at most meditation teachings, they're going to have one common factor, and that's breath awareness or breath control. Mm-hmm. The, the breathing pattern is intimately connected to the mind and what the mind is doing. And by learning how to regulate the breath correctly, uh, the mind will follow suit. Um, but I, I have plenty of people who, you know, I, I worked with the uh, um you know, uh, prisoners who've been let out and are on parole. And it's really hard to teach them how to meditate because as soon as they close their eyes and try to quiet their mind, all their stuff comes up. So we don't even start with that. We start with moving meditation, walking meditation, just get their minds and bodies to sort of get in sync. But over time, um, if you if you use some of the meditation techniques like the breathing techniques mantras and so on, eventually the the mind and I like the idea of the you know telling the child to be quiet but the mind will and it's not so much that, that the mind shuts up it's more that our awareness moves away from the mind so that we realize we're not our minds mm-hmm. we are the awareness. The light that shines through the mind and then identifies with the thoughts but we're not the mind we're not the thoughts we're watching the thoughts we are the awareness mm. so that's it that's one of the keys to meditation is being um finding that uh, that state of just pure awareness where we're witnessing where we're watching where we don't have to get identified like right now my awareness is in the part of my mind where there's anger well right now my awareness is in the part of my mind where there's happiness mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Either way, it's just awareness. I mean, that you know, and you're not happiness and you're not anger. You're just your awareness is just moving through that. That would be like visiting San Francisco and saying you're San Francisco. You're just moving through it. Hmm. So it's the same way with the mind. We just move through our awareness moves through different Areas of
0: it. I like that comparison. That's I like that very much. I, that really uh, works for me. We're talking with uh, Marty Watke, and the book is The Brain Sutras. And you are listening to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, um, Marty's uh, Marty Watke. I almost called you Marty Sutras. Uh, Marty, <laughs> get the words all all jumbled up there. Uh, I have been asking questions over the years. Uh, about um, different ways of, and this is the phraseology that I kind of picked up, of course, from Star Trek, The Next Generation, uh, rewiring the neural net, so to speak, uh, the network of pathways in the brain. And there are many different techniques that I have heard about, one in particular. We'll talk about some of these and how they relate to the neurotherapeutic method. uh, Music. And especially, for example, classical music. Now, I'm mm-hmm. sure you've heard of the Mozart effect. Mm-hmm. I did some research on it, and it was very fascinating. I read another article a few weeks after that poo-pooed the whole thing. And I'm going, okay. But my first question is always, why Mozart? What's so special about Mozart as opposed to Bach, Beethoven, Rachmaninoff, Tchaikovsky, etc., etc., etc.? um not exactly a moot point because i but i just find that fascinating but in general my understanding is that classical music and i know it also depends upon what you're listening to in classical music too uh also can be a a calming factor i remember working at a, at a radio station in Phoenix, and I would come home. I was a member of the uh, Classical Music CD Club, you know, Columbia. And I would come home, and I'd put a disc on. didn't matter what it was. I'd lay down on the couch. I'd usually fall asleep. But I'm listening to just this incredible stuff, and, and not only incredible in terms of the composition, but incredible in terms of the musicians who are unified, collectively to produce these awesome sounds that then we are able to listen to and also sort of be in awe of. What has your research and study shown in reference to uh, different types of music helping to uh, sort of change the uh, the pathways, rewrite the pathways to raise one's consciousness? Or even uh, if we want to continue talking about the mind, raising one's mental and intellectual capacity.
1: Yeah. There, there's no doubt there's entire therapies devoted to sound therapy. One is called integrated listening systems. We use it for a lot for autistic children and ch- children with learning disabilities. And, uh, you know, you listen to uh, classical music. Some of it is actually filtered. So some of the frequencies are more pronounced than others the lower frequencies and the high frequencies do different things mm-hmm. and that's why you'll see different effects with different classical music because like rachmaninoff is, is very low frequency versus mozart which is very high frequency but you know uh, einstein said we are frozen sound vibrations so we resonate with with vibration with sound and music in particular because it, it's attractive to us so it does uh, open up pathways in the brain. There's, a, there's entire therapeutic approaches that just use sound and music therapies. Tuning forks is another uh, emerging therapy that's being used by a number of people. My wife is trained in it, mm. but that's that's profound. You can get the entire nervous system to shift with C and G. It's, it's really quite amazing um, yeah. to see how that
0: works. Jonathan Goldman, a guest on our program yes. many, many times, uh, has has talked to us about that, about humming. Yep. Uh, I, as a child, I had, I don't know if it was the flu, whatever it was, I was laying in bed and I was just moaning away. Mm-hmm. And one of my sisters and my mother walks in the room and my sister says, Mom, make him stop. He sounds terrible. My mother, I, I, I don't know how she had the insight, her intuition. She said to my sister, oh, no, no, that's how he heals himself. and i encourage people even now at the age of almost 63 i encourage people if you don't feel good go ahead and moan and let whatever tone comes out come out because the body knows what it needs and will generate what it's what it needs in terms of vibration but also of course in terms of uh, chemistry you know we have the greatest pharmaceutical company right inside our bodies but right in our bodies. we do have to give it the right ingredients. Absolutely. And unfortunately, a lot of people are not doing that.
1: Yeah, but humming, humming activates the parasympathetic, the vagal nerve. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that produces an immediate relaxation effect on the body. Very good for you. Lower your blood pressure too.
0: Oh, I can, I can use that. I really, yeah. uh, you know, I, I don't know how long I've been on the medication to, uh, two, two different medications, but, uh, uh, one of these, and I keep telling even my doctor as well as my wife, this is temporary. Now my mother reinforced the negative by saying, "Oh no, it's hereditary," which implies that it's going to be the rest of my life. I don't think so, Tim. Uh, it mm. doesn't have to be nothing. I had type two diabetes three years ago. Mm. I knocked it out in a month and a half. Great. And I've been normal ever since. Yeah. Because yeah. I had the willpower. To say, I know what I need to get rid of out of my diet. And it was mm-hmm. sodas, which I mm-hmm. haven't had. I haven't had a soda since uh, the 23rd of July, uh, 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, 2020. Oh, wow. Th- after the first three or four months of the pandemic started.
1: Good because word. I
0: knew how I'd gotten there. Yeah. Yeah, well, everybody went to comfort foods. What's in comfort foods? Sugars Sugar. and carbs. <laughs> so anyway, um, Let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the other modalities uh, that, that you work with. Yes, we just finished talking a little bit about music and sound and vibration and so forth. Um, what about uh, in terms of environment? Now, some people don't have the flexibility to go to Yellowstone or Yosemite or, or some of the great uh, natural wonders of, of this country, let alone the world. And they live in a big city, whether it's Los Angeles or New York or some of these other big places. Uh, But there are parks. And yeah, Yeah. you're still going to hear the traffic. But how important is it to to ground oneself, quite literally, on the ground with nature? And if I may be so bold, go hug a tree. (laughs)
1: Absolutely. You know, we are our bodies are designed for us to be outside in the sun, not to be inside concrete and steel walls and buildings. Extremely important, no matter where you live, to find some space outside that you can go visit every day. Also, you know, not to be so afraid of sunlight. We need sunlight. Yeah. You know, we were designed to wake up when the sun came up. And guess what? To go to bed when the sun goes down. That is our rhythm. That, our body said, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. So we don't want to ignore those basic hygienic rules, but getting outside, being in nature, um, barefoot, skin exposure to the sun, all very important. We we accumulate so much electrical noise and pollution in our bodies. Um, you know, our bones are crystalline structures. Well, as crystalline structure, structures, they are affected by... Electromagnetic fields and so on—it's not good for us. So going outside, grounding, as you said, the these things discharge that. We really need to do that.
0: I know, growing up in Phoenix, I was able to run around a lot of times barefoot. Not in the summer so much because the concrete and so forth was too darn hot. But there were still a lot of places we had a we had grassy lawns. Uh, In in our neighborhood. And so you could literally run for three or four or five houses without Mm. ever touching uh, too much, uh, too much concrete. Uh, Mm. But nowadays, boy, they've got asphalt and concrete laid everywhere. Although today I live in a very rural area up above Santa Barbara, up in the mountain above Santa Barbara. And when I drive up there, we're I'm driving on dirt. Of course, right now it's mud because of all the rains. (laughs) Um And it's up at the summit of the 154, which I know you're familiar with. Yeah. yeah. And we have oak trees and we have pine trees. Matter of fact, one of the things that I am really enjoying, we had an oak tree, sadly, that fell. Uh, Mm -hmm. It just didn't have deep enough roots and it's fallen over. So now I'm in the process, yes, with a chainsaw, of cutting it up. And hopefully getting it into uh, uh, a pre- preparation for firewood. Of course, it's got to be uh, mm. uh, cured first. But I, I love that process. I mm. love getting in and, and doing this. And I'm outside. And hopefully there's some sunlight, if not uh, squeaking through the clouds. It is such a wonderful feeling. And every once in a while, we'll be visited by some wild animal. We had a bear mm-hmm. up on the property yeah. not long ago. Yeah. Uh really incredible experience. Uh Marty Watley Marty Watke is my guest. The Brain Sutras is the title of the book. And guess what? You are listening to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh Marty Watke is my guest. The Brain Sutras is uh, the topic on the table. And and I, I need to now go into this area because Somebody's going to sit there going, Richard, why haven't you asked him? You know you, you want to. You know you want to. I do. <laughs> what is your definition of consciousness?
1: Um, it's less of a de- definition and more of my experience. Consciousness is the, the reality of who we are. Um, you know, we see all these differences on the outside, but, but consciousness I consider to be the, the pure self um, that can be experienced. And when it's experienced, uh, you know, you get the key to every door, the, the the profound wisdom that lies within each one of us is realized. And that's, you know, that's that's the goal of meditation practices and spiritual practices, just to simply be still. I mean, how often have you heard just be still? and and experience yourself as this this pure consciousness a unit of divine awareness if you will I've, you know there's many many different ways people describe this mm-hmm. but consciousness uh you know is is all pervasive and um and we're all parts of it we're all connected to it um many of us uh don't realize that that's exactly what we are underneath our egos, our names, our personalities, and our bodies. But, you know, this goes back to what I was saying about awareness. We are that pure awareness, that pure consciousness that is working through these minds and bodies temporarily. You know, we're on a temporary hiatus from uh, other realms.
0: Yeah. Is there emotion with consciousness, or is that strictly a physical, a, a, um, physiological response to our environment and consciousness does not really have emotion in it in that respect
1: there's 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 considered to be three parts sanskrit is sat chit ananda um sat is um existence chit is consciousness ananda is bliss so not bliss like oh, I'm all blissed out, but joy. Right. So right. the joy, there is a joy to consciousness. Mm-hmm. It's it's this profound state, but it's not the mm-hmm. same as our human emotions. It, it's a different it's a different state. You can sort of see it in the eyes of people who are uh, highly enlightened, highly spiritually advanced. There's just a joy about them. Uh, the the other emotions really don't reside there. You know, love, mm-hmm. hate. Right. Et cetera, et cetera.
0: Those are part of the biological machine. Exactly. Exactly.
1: But consciousness does have bliss associated with it. And that's just the pure joy of being. Yeah. Wow. I exist. Yeah. I am a being. I am here. A very powerful state.
0: You know, and, and what's fascinating to me is my experiences in the last year. With, I already know uh, what your response to this is going to be initially, but I'm going to say it anyway. With the passing of my eldest sister last March, at the end of last March, and then the passing of my father this March. Now, I did shed tears at my sister's uh, memorial. That was really the only place, because my perspective was and is, even with my father, or as I know him as my father, <clears throat> that once he, as my sister, were in one place. They were in one single place. Now, they're everywhere. <laughs> you know, they're awesome, literally man. everywhere. And I've been talking to my dad a lot uh, with some of the things that I've been dealing with. I, it's kind of like, I never did this before, but uh, I would ask him, Dad, Help me. What am I supposed to do in this situation or that situation, what have you? I never did that before until after his passing. But uh, one of the beautiful things that I remember uh, uh, being shared with when he did pass, my mother, one of my sisters, maybe two of my sisters, one of my nieces and one of my brother-in-laws were there, and they were sitting in chairs around the bed singing hymns and traveling songs we would sing on vacations and all kinds of other songs. And my mother told him, you know, you can go. And when you do, you will be able to see again and hear again. And then of course I added to that when she shared this with me and walk without falling. (laughs) And there was such a peace for me about both of these situations yeah. Sadness, okay, yeah, but my dad didn't want to be here, yeah, because of my sister, my eldest sister, his firstborn, yeah. so she sort of prepared the way. she was waiting on the other side, and so forth, but I you know and and then you have to wonder, um if we just took a different perspective about this and it's okay to cry, yeah. It's also, as we've seen in some of the sitcoms of, of years gone by, I still remember Mary Tyler Moore's show where this guy, he was a clown. He died. And she's sitting in the, in the crowd of, of people, the mourners, and she starts laughing and <laughs> can't stop. And that's okay, too. But it seems to me that if we are aware and we are in our, shall we say, in our consciousness correct you know help me with this one are we then maybe able to connect with and maybe even actually communicate with the consciousnesses of those who have gone on before
1: um i don't know about you know long term but there is you know there's a whole training called the shared death experience uh, caregivers, hospice workers oh, are framed in it.
0: I've heard about this. Very
1: powerful. Yeah. Uh, you know, the doctors started reporting, you know, when somebody passed away in the operating room or wherever, that the, the experience was profound. It, it, they could feel this expanse. It's like a portal opens up. And that, and that's called shared death. It's, it's becoming quite popular. Um, so I know that that is definitely... Uh, A possibility i've experienced that i've been in the room with uh, people dying passing on Uh, later on communicating uh, i don't know i i haven't experienced that is it possible i I suppose so but I, i guess it also depends on what happens after we die you know is this theory of reincarnation true Uh, um, so there's lots of aspects to that Yeah,
0: it's sort of a side issue or a side subject to what we're talking about here in terms of the brain sutras Uh, consciousness um, I know people want to know where it resides Um, and the only example I can come up with to kind of put this into perspective is if you remember the scene in Men in Black where this huge alien is laying on the surgical table and they pop open the head and there's this tiny little <laughs> critter inside right yeah as a kid i used to think not so much that that was me but that i was this entity inside this physical body looking out the eyes listening out the ears etc and that one day i would leave this physical form but for the time being everybody else was here for my benefit But I also had to acknowledge that and I was there for everybody else's benefit because they were part of my movie and I was part of theirs.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do we have any idea where. If it matters, the consciousness resides or is it head to toe uh, outside? I know that Lynn McTaggart talks about the field, you know, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, you know, I think what what I've grown to understand is that the brain is this uh, incredible computer transformer. Consciousness is everywhere. Consciousness is omnipresent. I mean, quantum physics knows that now. Um, but the brain, it comes into the brain, is uh, uh, transformed by the brain, um, uh, directed by our memories, et cetera, et cetera. And then we experience that consciousness as, oh, here I am. But um, but we're just transformers, you know. We we don't produce consciousness. It comes through us.
0: Mm-hmm. So when you say comes through us, you mean the physical, it comes through us, i.e., the physical body?
1: Through the nervous system. Okay. The uh, brainstem in particular, you know, you mentioned it earlier, that's where we breathe and mm-hmm. where our heartbeat is regulated and so on. But that seemed, you know, and there's some some metaphysical literature that says the brainstem is the mouth of God, where God is breathing into our bodies, into our nervous systems. And then it's like it's the light comes in and and then um, we color that light with the various brain networks, memories, ego identities, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Wow, I had never heard that before, and I've I've done a lot of reading, and especially of of Eastern philosophy and so forth. We're yes. talking with uh, Marty Watke, the Brain Sutras, and this is Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, uh, with um, uh, Marty uh, Watke, and uh, we're talking about his uh, his latest work, the Brain Sutras. You know this this whole conversation about about consciousness and and what it is, and where it is, and how it how it does what it does. Uh, and I want to know also if you've done any studies or research into the aspect of out-of-body experiences. We could talk near death as well, but I met a gentleman, and this was a fascinating conversation I had years ago on this program, with a born-again Bible-believing Christian who practiced out of body experiences. He would (laughs) consciously leave his body and he would just, and he would just do things. I even asked him, I says, have you ever not wanted to come back? "Oh no, 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 no. I always, I always (laughs) come back. I always come back. But wouldn't that be the consciousness leaving the physical body for a short period of time?
1: Yeah, it would be the consciousness taking uh, another perspective, uh, 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 you know, a different perspective. Um, many people in surgery experience themselves floating up over their bodies yeah. and they can come back and tell the entire operating room what they were doing even what they were saying. So these things happen but as I said earlier, my experience is that consciousness is everywhere but we can shift our non-local awareness to another locality and experience you know what looks appears to be, uh, uh, traveling, but it's really not. We're just changing our particular perspective.
0: Hmm. Is there any association at all with a uh, 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 technique, if you will, called bilocation? Yeah,
1: yeah. There's a there's um, you know there's a lot of techniques that that teach uh, these you know what appear to be. Uh, 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 supernatural um, abilities, but you know, in, in yoga science, they're considered very normal—a normal part of uh, what sort of the side effect of advanced meditation practices. So clairvoyance, clairvoyance, clairaudience, all those things are are you know you initially said we only use 10% of our brain. Well, the truth is we only use 10% of our actual potential. Because our potential oh, yeah. is huge, but we have not developed that.
0: How do we go about developing that?
1: Uh, well, uh, meditate. Meditation techniques will will guide um, the nervous system to be more sensitive, to be more aware. Mm-hmm. And there are advanced techniques, uh, mantras, you know, uh, doing different things with the chakras, because that's where a lot of these. Abilities reside in these energy centers in the body. So, um, you know, they can all be trained. The question is, uh, what do you do with them when you've trained them?
0: Yeah.
1: And is it just a distraction? Is it just, you know, more uh, superficial, uh, exciting things? When our real goal is just to find that stillness, not necessarily to develop abilities.
0: Yeah, and I think that maybe uh, that can, that, as you described, can happen that we get distracted and that then becomes the focal point rather exactly. than yeah, uh, exactly. the other aspect. Yeah. And I believe that, and I, I used to ask this question at the end of the program uh, how powerful are we? You know, what, what are your thoughts? How powerful are we? Or maybe putting that in a little different vernacular the comparison to be to how powerful are we to how powerful could we be? Well, our, our potential is infinite. You know,
1: if, if you, if you look at, um, you know, people who we consider enlightened, uh, completely realized, and they, you know, they have all these abilities, we all have that potential within us. Mm. In fact, that's our Institute is called infinite potential Institute because I really, I've never met anybody who did who did not have that within them. It's not that that power is expressing now but is it is potentially there. It's our birthright yeah it's a yeah. part of what of where we've come from.
0: You know there are also those who contend that we, the human race are not indigenous to this planet.
1: That yeah, we were that. put
0: here. Uh, care to speculate from your perspective, based upon <laughs> your research, or is that a really relevant question in terms of this aspect of of dealing with uh, with consciousness?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I've read that too. I've looked at that. Um, I, I don't know. That continues to be a, a mystery for me. Mm. But um, but I, I you know I, I had a, one yoga master tell me once, "We're from deep space." We're we're not from this planet. We're, our origins are deep space. What he meant by that, I don't exactly know, but I sort of get what he was saying.
0: Mm. Well, I know that uh, uh, people like Carl Sagan used to say we're all made of stardust.
1: Yes, that's absolutely you know? true. And yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, And again, it is a fascinating, uh, fascinating conversation to have. The Brain Sutras is uh, the subject of our conversation here on the program, among other things. Tell me more about uh, this, uh, the uh, Watke Infinite Potential Institute.
1: Sure. So we're a a center or a clinic in Santa Barbara. Um, We do the neurotherapy here, do assessments and then the actual treatment process. Um, Our primary goal right now is, uh, or or what we do, is um, we work with a lot of anxiety disorders, uh, people with insomnia, um, post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, the uh, anxiety disorder is really uh, a chronic condition now because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, People who didn't have anxiety now have anxiety because of that looming threat all the time. So we uh, we we provide that therapy here and uh, we, we treat a variety of, uh, of, of, of different problems.
0: The <laughs> thought it just occurred to me that someone's feeling anxious because they didn't feel anxious before uh, in regards to the pandemic. So it's like almost like feeling guilty for feeling guilty kind of thing. Yes. <laughs> and I, like, I want to belong. I want to belong. So I'll be anxious. Uh, I myself, I would have to say no. I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm the anxious type. I don't have that personality. I'm uh, the glass is half full. Although I love that phrase, the glass half full or half empty. I always like to ask the question, so what's the glass half full or half empty of? <laughs> I myself, uh, as of our conversation, seeing as uh, St. Patrick's Day is uh, right around the corner, uh, yeah. mine would be filled with either half full with Guinness... Or uh, Irish cream. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Have you personally gone through uh, the uh, neurotherapeutic uh, method? And what how, how has it changed you if you've been through that?
1: Yeah. No, I, I have. Um, I mean, that's why I'm this definitely a mission that I feel like I'm on because it saved my life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I was a hardcore drug user. And um, it, it pulled me out of that uh aimed me in the in the in the right direction, saved my son. My son was brain injured at birth. Mm. And um this was in Georgia. And uh there wasn't a lot that uh traditional medicine uh could provide for him. So I started to treat him with neurofeedback at one year old. And he was you know he predicted that he would probably have cerebral palsy or autism and he's 30 years old now in, in very good shape. He's got some uh, mechanical difficulties but he's a high a bright 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 person um and I, and there's been several people in my life who this has literally saved their lives and um, were able to remediate somebody with bone marrow failure um because we could get the uh, immune system to to ship so this is this is a very powerful tool Again, that has many levels of applicability. But I'm mission-oriented for sure. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I feel like this is my mission in life, to get this out there and to share this with the world.
0: If somebody listening wants to find out more and, and feels like they either they need or they know of someone who is in need, uh, do they uh, contact you through your email or what's, what's the best way?
1: Email or uh, the phone number. I think you have the phone number there in that card.
0: Uh, matter of fact, eight zero five five six eight. it looks like 40, 42
1: 4192 uh, 4192, yeah. 805 yeah. 4192.
0: Yeah, and then of course, there's uh watkiipi.com, and of course, yeah, that's, that's for the a, that's our the website Infinite Potential Institute. And we certainly encourage people to get in touch. Uh, I actually know of someone. But I personally, and I'm not saying that I don't need it, but for example, I went through uh, LBL hypnosis, life between lives, uh, Mm -hmm. hypnosis. It was fascinating. I I actually, while I was there, I actually loved, I'd have to say I was blissed by my previous life before this one. Because it's, aside from the technologies of today, it's quite similar. I'm living in a rural area you know uh, there is a lot of work on the land that needs to be done from time to time and uh, and, uh, and it was just great. I just loved it. And awesome. it's like, oh man, it's not well, that I don't like this life, but I would love to go back. To one.
1: <laughs> well this is very effective for high blood pressure too, just so you know.
0: Well, I'm gonna have to get in touch with you and your institute then because oh yeah, uh,
1: cool. just you're just around the corner.
0: Ah, okay. Well, we're talking here with uh, the writer of, and the, he's the CEO and the founder, along with his wife, Stella Stella uh, Watke, uh, the Brain Sutras here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, and I want to thank you so much for uh, the time that you've given us here, uh, um, uh, Marty. And, Thank uh, you, And this has been a quite fascinating. I'd love to, uh, to get together again. And maybe, you know, we'll get together in person uh, uh, sure. since uh, apparently the pandemic is officially over. Yep. You know, so that's kind of nice. <clears throat> but, um, uh, you know, it's 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 really interesting. And I would love to experience this, uh, especially from the standpoint of getting rid of the meds, uh, you know. Okay. And, Give and us a call.
1: Things. You can come in and chat. And chat
0: about it. Love it. I'd love to. Before we let you go, I have three questions that I ask all of my guests at the end of the program. Before I do, though, I want to thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, where we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices. To help make your dreams come true, we are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. for our special edition of Tell Me Your Story, where we stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. Our podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations too numerous to mention. But uh, we also hope that you'll go to YouTube and uh, you will uh, watch these videos. We ask that you participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision. We touched upon this subject earlier, and that has to do with going within and listening to that still small voice, following the promptings as well. Remember, that still small voice will never Ever Put you in harm's way. It will challenge you from time to time. It's challenged me, let me tell you, but uh, never put you in harm's way. And uh, what a great way to just kind of sort of check out from the rest of the world, recenter, reenergize, refocus so that you can then get on with uh, your life's purpose. And if you'd like to support the work that we are doing financially, we have a PayPal account. It's there for your security as well as ours. So all you have to do is when you go there, and there is a link on the homepage of richarddugan.com, you just you don't even need the uh, email address, but if you don't use the link, when you go to PayPal, put in my email address, Richard at richarddugan.com. Uh, That way they know to whom to send your support to. And with all of that being said, now we move to our final three questions. And the first of those questions is who is Marty Watke? (laughs)
1: Um, He is somebody intent on uh, helping other people wake up.
0: What is your life's purpose?
1: To help other people. (laughs) (laughs)
0: And what was your best day?
1: Uh, My best day was um, the day I met my spiritual teacher. uh, And I came to see him with a lot of baggage. And he simply told me, looked at me in the eyes very deeply and told me, you're fine and i think that uh that created such an imprint on me that um it was like my whole past was forgiven so that that was probably the best day
0: wow if only we could all reach that same place of knowing that we are fine yeah i i like to use the phrase that uh, i am perfect and you are perfect we're all perfect just mm-hmm. as we are and yeah. uh, so i thank you for your contribution to uh, the world in terms of what you're doing through <clears throat> the Infinite Potential Institute as well as the the neurotherapeutic method and uh, also the book The Brain Sutras. So I thank you again. Uh, thank you um, Richard. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to Lol. Jeanette, I am listening, and Dad, be happy.